Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Now then, you're very welcome back. So we're talking uh, all things GEA in just a few moments' time. Richie's back with us. Yeah, and speaking of GEA, Joe, Seamus Callanan in the past half hour has been confirmed as the new Tipperary hurling captain for 2019. The Drummond Inch forward made a senior tip debut in 2008 and along the way has helped them win a pair of All-Ireland titles. Vice-captain under Callanan will be Noel McGrath and Tip begin their Allianz Hurling League campaign this Saturday in a meeting with Clare at Semple Stadium. Uh, Guernsey Police have postponed for tonight the search to find the aircraft that was carrying Cardiff City striker Emiliano Sala. They say a number of objects were seen floating in the search area but were unable to confirm whether or not those objects belonged to the missing Piper Malibu plane. Cardiff Chief Executive Ken Chu says they're praying for positive news but police say chances of survival are slim and that search will resume at sunrise tomorrow. Uh, Tottenham's Deli Alley will be out until at least March after suffering a hamstring injury in Sunday's Premier League win at Fulham. The club confirmed the news after scans and a clinical assessment today. Tottenham say they expect him to return to training by early March. The North London side are currently without Harry Kane, who has an ankle injury, and Hyung Min Son, who's on Asian Cup duty with South Korea day-to-day, beat Bahrain to progress to the quarter-finals. And Simon Zebo has thanked Ulster Rugby after they banned a spectator for life for abusing the former Ireland winger. The incident occurred during Ulster's 26-22 Heineken Champions Cup victory over Racing at Kingspan Stadium. Earlier in the month, Ulster have also sent an apology to both Zebo and to Racing Joe. Lovely stuff. Cheers, Richie. So we're joined in studio by Dunnock Boyle of the Irish Independent. Dunnock, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. And Michael Moynan of the Irish Examiner and author of GA Economics a number of years ago. You're there, Michael? I am. Thanks for joining us. So no problem. I guess it's a general chat about um, where we are GAA-wise in 2019. A few things obviously have happened over the weekend. The ticket increase and the um, rule changes. Well, the three hand-pass ones certainly rejected. We might start with the ticket increase as well. It's never going to be popular, uh, Michael, I suppose, to sum up what was done in various quarters. The headline-grabbing one has been the All-Ireland final. It's gone from €80 Euro to €90. Euro. It's gone up by a tenner. And then a five euro increase for Hill 16 tickets. They're up to 45 euro. Semi-final stand prices go up to 50 euro, 35 euro for the terraces. And then um, league tickets going up as well. So Division 1, Division 2 football and Division 1A and 1B in the hurling will go up by 5 euro from 15 euro to 20 euro. Uh, those pre-purchased before match day will increase by 3 euro. So 15 euro will be the cost now, up from 12 euro. And under 16s still uh, free. So... It's the first price increase since 2011, argued the GAA. I know somebody has texted in and argued that the season ticket has increased um, plenty since then. For instance, in 2011, season ticket was €75. It's now €120. But just in terms of uh, a one-off, attending a one-off match day, it's the first major increase since 2011. The argument is, uh, Michael, that the money is going to go straight back into the clubs. So they'll get an extra 500000 this year and then another 500000 on top of that next year and John Oren has also argued that the economy is strong at the moment and uh, our games are popular. So thoughts, initial thoughts on the uh, price increase and how it's been received? Well, a couple of things and to start with your last point, mm. I think there's been a general reaction to John Oren's comments that why the economy is strong and probably has always been strong in Dublin over the last few years. That's not replicated throughout the country. and. You'd find it hard to find a more accurate barometer of how hard things are than GAA clubs because all over the country, GAA clubs are amalgamating at underage level. They're pitching in to try and field a minor team. You're talking about you know, relatively large towns and so on and so forth. So I think that's a fairly flawed argument to say that you know the rising tide is lifting all boats. That's the first thing. Mm. The other thing, though, is, is, is 
there's there is an element of be careful what you wish for because as we all know, you know, recurrent theme is how, how much resources, how demographics, finances, etc., are available to Dublin. So the GA could legitimately say, look, here we are. We're trying to get more money to disperse it out to other counties, and people are complaining. So there's an element of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Personally, I would actually think that the league increases are more bruising for people because I think if your county gets to an all-earning final, even if it's Dublin or you know Kilkenny or counties which have been getting to a lot of them, it's not really discretionary spend. You you move heaven and earth to get there. It's a once-off. It's you know a special day, etc. I actually think. Putting up the fiver, you know, on people who are trying to get the league matches, maybe bring the kids to see, you know, their heroes up close in a in a more intimate setting than Crow Park is probably more more hurtful to people who are struggling to make ends meet. Mm. Donica, your thoughts on the ticket increase? Um, Michael kind of touched on it there, but I just haven't heard a good reason for them yet. Um, if if the GA came around and said, you know, we we need extra money to fund X, Y or Z, I think people might be able to get on board with it more, but that the economy is good and, and the market can tolerate these price increases, I don't think that really stacks up with people because it's not, at least it's not meant to be about um, how much you can get out of people. Like, and uh, it's, it's the kind of, the thing about ticket price increases versus other things the GA do to generate income is that the it hits the, the people who keep the thing going day to day. So the people who are going to league matches are also the people who are going to club championship matches. They're buying lotto tickets. They are fundraising for their local clubs. So they're already handing out to the GA on one level mm-hmm. at several times over over the course of a week or a month. And this is just hitting them uh, in, a, in the same people in a different way. Mm. And what about the GA's argument that there's an extra €500,000 allocated now this year for clubs and there'll be another 500000 on top of that uh, the following year? And if you look, Michael, I take your point about the, um, the economy is improving line being very clunky on John Horne's uh, part. I was surprised he said it. Any politician who says it uh, is routinely mm. slapped down. Mm. I mean, it's, it's like, um, you know, first day in, in politics school is do not say the economy is improving because you'll just be hit with the fact that it's not in huge swathes of the country. But uh, that said, you, you made the argument that lots of clubs are struggling. So whatever about the clunkiness of his line, maybe the clubs do need money and maybe it's a quick way to raise the 500 grand this year and then have a million going forward. Do we accept that? See, there's there's a there's a parallel argument there, a parallel point to be made. You know, there's easy poke at Croke Park, the suits in Croke Park, which is very unfair, you know, a boker. But when you mention that the economy is doing well, you do run the risk of saying the economy is doing well where we are. Yeah, no, it was and, it was a poor line. You know, yeah, yeah, I don't want to flog John Horn because of a line that he might he might be too delighted with letting slip out. Yeah. But the thing with the clubs is, and Dunnock has summed it up perfectly there, the people you will meet at uh, National League games are the core support, the core number of people who turn up all year and who do the donkey work for the GA. So mm-hmm. that sense of being aggrieved is more than justified because they are the people who are putting their money where their mouth is in all senses. The GA's annual review for 2017 showed uh, turnover was 65 million? Just over 65 million, yeah. Okay. That was an increase of 5 million on 2016's result. So, Dunica, are we saying the GA financially are in a, a really strong, excellent position? And to what extent do we know how they're using their money? Are they in a strong position, first of all? 
Um, oh, yeah, it, it, uh, that was that was the 2017 figures I think you read out. Yeah. And that was up five million on the previous year. Yeah. So now th- the thing about the GAA is it's it's always sort of asked to fund a, a bigger and brighter tomorrow. And how you go about doing that and and uh, feed all the mouths they're asked to feed. I suppose the the uh, Michael would know more about this, but the the over one in Parky Cueve has to be a factor in the GAA's finances in the next. Uh, over the next few years, to whatever extent it is, I don't believe there's any great agreement on how much that's going to cost. Navin is in line for a big overhaul. Walsh Park and Waterford, Newbridge is is another one. Mm-hmm. So at Casement Park, there's been money poured into that already, and nothing has really happened. So it is uh, there are an awful lot of things that the GAR are expected to fund, and if they didn't fund them, they would be they would be pilloried for it as well. But I'm just think there's better ways of doing it um, because this is an organisation that. Um, last about a year ago now, um, voted overwhelmingly to ban uh, any sort of revenue from any sort of bookmaking firm or gambling firm, and that was on the basis that was a decision taken on the basis of the well-being of its members. That basically we don't want to expose um, our members to any more of this than they already are. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and protect them a little bit now for what it, whatever it's worth because it's an absolutely a wash. With if you watch any sport at all now, you'll. It's it's a wash with with uh, ads from gambling companies, but th- the organisation took a decision to separate itself from potentially huge revenue stream on the basis that it it kind of wanted to look after its own for a minute, and then simultaneously takes this decision uh, to increase ticket prices, mm. which comes on the back of last summer's decision to which I was uh, totally in favour of, but it condensed the championship window. Uh, there are more games. That uh, have to be more games played in a shorter period of time. September's gone, so that paycheck isn't relevant for people who are following their county team anymore, and uh, so that in itself was a was a price hike of sorts, and it's very much um, put more pressure on the same people who are going to the game again. So like this is this is, they got hit again. Mm. Do the GA prices as they stand? So twenty euro for a league match and free in for under sixteens, completely free in. Uh, pre-purchased 15 euro in and still free for the children and then um, 50 euro for a semi-final 90 euro for an all-ireland final and then for rounds in the qualifiers 20 euro and 25 euro for round four does that not still offer good value for money there still is value for money um, in terms of the season tickets, even though they have gone out, gone up every year, as 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 one of the listeners pointed out. Mm-hmm. There still is value for money there, but but even one-off games like twenty-five euro for round four, the league matches. Well, twenty-five euro for round four would suggest value. that you've probably been at a, you've probably been at a handful of provincial games already, and there's a good chance you're at a couple of league matches. So what should they be? Like so, here's a question: well, what, what 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 should the price of an All Ireland final be? What should the price of a league game be? Well, I suppose the issue. Well, certainly the issue for me is that I can't see, and there hasn't been an explanation for the price hikes yet. I thought the explanation <coughs> was about raising money for the clubs, though. That's what, I, as I understand it, they were very clear about that. They said five hundred grand for the clubs this year, and then we'll go up to a million the following year. I thought that was but, uh, the key well, explanation. I would say if you're turning over sixty-five million in a year, you can find half a million for the clubs if that's what you really want to do. Yeah. I'm sure you can find that. Mm. You can pull back and other things. So, and uh, we were talking about it off air beforehand. If there's an extra tenor. On fifty thousand seated All Ireland final tickets, mm-hmm. there's your half million straight away. Okay, and if the GA were to come out and say, "Look, it's uh, to raise the money for the clubs, and also it's to put money towards Navan, and it's to put money towards Kildare and infrastructure." And I think John Horn yesterday talked about 
you know, ventures further afield and trying to help the GA community yeah. further afield as well. If they simply come out and said, well, it's going to all, all those kind of things, which we can assume it is, is, is it okay and, then? And it absolutely is, but I suppose it's the lack of explanation that okay. va- uh, the vacuum has to be filled. Okay. Uh, Michael, is it good value at the moment? What should these prices be? I'd be inclined to disregard the all and final tickets because I, I just think that people lose all sense of rational economic thought, mm. you know, when they're faced with the prospect of their county being all and final. I'm sure Dunnock will agree with me. We've all spent, you know, as journalists, you know, the Sunday morning with all and final outside the Gresham trying to find a mythical man who spent a grand or five grand on a ticket, etc., yeah. just as, at the extreme end. I actually think the National League, in fairness, is very good value because you do have that option if your kids are with you, you want to show them Noel McGrath or Dermot Connolly or whoever you're having yourself up close. You can walk out onto the field, you can see these guys, they're quite close. It's a very intimate experience. But I'd agree with Dunnake. I actually think if Crow Park would have said, look, lads, we're putting on an extra fiver, you know, there's a bit of a, a mess in Parky Keeve, we want to put some money into Walsh Park, we want to boost stuff in Case and Park in Navin. Yeah. I think the reaction of the GA grassroots would be far more positive, as opposed to being, you know, described in terms of the market can take it. I think there's an almost inbuilt resistance in uh, a lot of GA people to being described as consumers or the market, and you've already lost, you know, the goodwill if you describe them like that. Yeah, there's a, there is a ferocious amount of goodwill towards the GA. People want to be involved with it. They believe in it wholeheartedly. They know that they believe that when they pay money to Turnstile, it's going to come back to GA, to the GA in some shape or form. And so I do think if, the, if there was an explanation for it, like, you know, the Rugby World Cup bid failed, that was yeah. going to help us upgrade our, our infrastructure uh, to a level we haven't had before. Uh, we, need, we still want to do some of that, but now we can't. I think people will go, right, fair enough. I think, I think they could find the five or at least they'd know what they were getting into. Mm, okay. Um, in terms of where they've earned their money, say, in 2017, that's 65 million, Michael, 52% I'm reading here is from gate receipts, 7% is from Sport Ireland, 29% commercial revenue, and 12% is other income, quote-unquote. So um, you might, I know you've, you, your book is a number of years old now, but I'm sure you're, you're keeping a close eye on things. Mm. Um, in what kind of position do you deem the GA to be in? What percentage of their money is finding its way back to the clubs? Uh, what kind of nest egg do they have? Give us your assessment of where things are at the moment. I think, as Donica said, I think the GA is in a very healthy position because, you know, they wouldn't have a deal with Sky. You know, park your objections or your ideologies for a second. But, you know, Sky wouldn't be in partnership with the GA if they didn't find that, you know, it was an excellent product and all that good stuff. But... I think the most significant figure in that is how much comes from gate receipts. I remember speaking to Tom Ryan, who's now the um, the arch-juror of the GF back then. He was the head finance guy, and he made the point that it's a delicate balance because you must encourage people to come to the games because if they fall out of the habit of coming to the games, it's a very hard habit to reawaken or reinstitute. So in that sense, that's always, I think, the bottom line for the GA because if, if you have a high number of people coming to the games bringing the kids, there's an example there, they're out the following weekend, they're bringing the kids down to the local club and so on and so forth because the GA trade very heavily on that immediacy that there are guys you see walking around your neighbourhood and so on and so forth. To me, that's the important one because if the GA's attendances fall and, you know, they softened considerably last year, particularly in the football championship, if that became an ongoing trend, that would be a serious concern for the GA because everything else 
spreads out from that in terms of you know the attraction to broadcasters obviously who wants to be seeing you know a half full Central mm. Stadium or Croke Park you know one it becomes a, a I won't say a vicious cycle but it does become a cycle uh, feeding from one side of the of the financial equation to another. Yeah, and in terms of the outlay, then where does the vast majority majority of their money go? Well, the great figure they have always that eighty nine to ninety percent of the euro that's given at the turnstile goes back out. That goes to clubs, games development, the insurance fund, which people rarely talk about, for instance, but which is you know held up as an example for all sports and. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence and that a couple of other sports may be available of its munificence. Um, but the capital projects are the big one and the are the big ones and the eye catching ones because obviously, you know, there's the overrun in Park and Eve, there's the troubling case in Park, there was, you know, the controversy we had over Newbridge and Nowhere. And that actually brings up something else in parallel, a point I think that, that, that is kind of at the back of a lot of people's minds. You know, in the last 12 months, the GA has had to roll back on some significant things. You mentioned the, the rules earlier this year, but Liam Miller game in Crow Park, a new bridge or nowhere. So I actually think something at the back of a lot of people's minds is that, you know, the GA has backed down or, you know, reversed course on a few major issues. So people may be thinking, well, if we make enough noise about this, maybe they'll reverse course on this one as well. Yeah, I just have the... the financial results the pie chart that the GA released to the media um, for the 2017 and the biggest uh, percentage there in terms of where our funds are spent as the as the title that was payments to units so it does like there's no doubt that it directly goes back in yeah to the right I, I mean I guess it's all part of a wider discussion as well like I saw I think it was Dahi Regan on Twitter made a very fair point I thought when uh, there was a quote on Twitter that he responded to a John uh, Horn's point about 500,000 going back to clubs and you know one of the points Dahi made was well you refuse to tackle payments to coaches and managers so how much of this money which goes back to clubs ends up in the pockets of coaches every week and that's a galling thing for a lot of people in GEA like amateur my ass was kind of the the point um, if you look at the bigger picture and Michael has mentioned several hurdles for the new president and director general um, Newbridge or Nowhere was obviously a huge one um, Ticket prices now, the rules being rejected. You could argue the super rates fell relatively flat. They inherited the Porky Queeve situation. The Lee Miller testimonial, they never got out ahead of that really. The CPA situation lingers on. The fixtures situation lingers on. It's been a trying eight, nine months for Horne and Tom Ryan, hasn't it, um, Dunica? It has, but I suppose if you are if you are in the top end of an organisation like the GEA that has such a vast membership with a whole ver- different range of interests. You know, you're always going to have things like that. Like some However, of them, I guess more the point, though, is if you know, your criticism over the, this ticket price situation is they haven't come out and communicated it well enough. I would argue with regard to Newbridge or Nowhere, the Porky Queeve situation, the Lee Miller testimonial, the Super 8s, the football rules, that communication has also been an issue. Well, just to, like Newbridge, for no, the Newbridge one, for example, like there was a precedent there. Like Kildare had played home championship matches outside of Newbridge in, down the line. So I would I would imagine that when they were making the fixture, now they misread the mood music totally, but when they were making the fixture, they just went on precedent. So they didn't realise what they were getting into there. Um, but, but even, uh, like I think that, that gives them a free pass. Like even we had Alan Milton on the show here and he was making the argument that the initial uh, plan that the guards signed off on was deemed not up to scratch. You know, and yeah, I, I, yeah. like it kind of just got lost in the ether, but it was actually a big accusation that G, the GA were leveling at the local 
uh, guards that struck me. Was the that the day the, of the derby as well in the Corra? Yeah, yeah, there was stuff going on, but there was, yeah, you know, yeah. the uh, plan had been signed off on from a Newbridge point of view. The Kildare County Board had been in touch. The plan was signed off on, and then the GEA, in their own words, said, well, it wasn't good enough for us. So actually, if you follow that logic through, they're saying that people were being put in danger by, you know, the local guards. And my point is not to reopen that can of worms here or we'll be here all night. Communication maybe is an issue. If we're talking about Horn and Tom Ryan and you're saying they've communicated the ticket price situation badly, you could argue there's a theme there of poor communication. Well, I think if you talk to people around Crow Park and around the time of the Liam Miller thing, I think that they accepted that maybe they could have handled it a little bit better. Same with Newbridge and Nowhere, because there was a couple of different voices at the time yeah. from people in and around Crow Park that spoke. Um, like none of them at the same time are, are, are fatal. They might be, they're missteps, but you know, it, Tom Ryan did a, 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 an interview shortly before Christmas and with, with, uh, with the Daily Media and I was there and he says like one of, the, one of the things that people sort of miss, he said, was that when we make decisions, you know, maybe let's say for example, the managers are against the new rules, but yeah. w when they make a decision, they have to, to consider the entirety of the GEA. So they have to consider well, intercounty managers mightn't like it, but how will it play at junior C level? You know, they have to think of the GEA as a whole rather than just from the very top end to play the, elite, the, the two games at elite level. So, it, look, it's a, I would be slow to criticise it because it's such, it's a large organisation. The decision-making process in it via Congress and everything that entails is yeah. so clunky at times um, that the, the, kid, the two guys at the top of the tree can't be held responsible for everything. I accept that. They have inherited a fairly unwieldy uh, beast in many ways. Michael, your thoughts on the Horan-Ryan uh, combination thus far? I, uh, something I would always come back to is the old expression in Hollywood that there's never more than half a dozen people who can keep the entire equation of making a movie in their heads, you know, kind of the artistic side, the economic side, the craft side, the casting, the script, etc. And I think there's a sense of that in the G. It's, it's almost too big to get, to get a good handle on. And mm, yeah. I'd agree also with Donica in the sense that there's probably too much democracy, in the sense that if you could kind of settle on a benevolent dictator, it would nearly be better. You'd have more, more decisions and quicker decisions. You know, it is a strength of the of the GA, but it's also a weakness mm. that you know everybody feels entitled and is entitled to their input. And sometimes I think you know if you've been to some of these meetings, you. You'd, you'd question the validity of democracy under certain circumstances. Yeah, no doubt. And um, before, Dunnock, I do want to ask you about the rule changes as well, which, um, well, the three hand pass one, which has been rejected. On the ticket price increase thing, do you think the GA are looking down at another Newbridge or Nohair no, back down kind no, of thing? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Is there? not that, there's not that smell of revolution. No, the there's not. I, I think, um, as I said, there's so much goodwill there towards, towards the GA in general, and I think people accept that. The money will be used um, to fund whatever it will be used for. I think the, I think they accept when the money goes in there that it's going to the right place. I just think that uh, you know if people had a better sense of it, I think they'd be more happy. Okay. In terms of where it was going. On the rule change situation, Colin Keyes had a really good piece yesterday in your paper about the hand pass um, rules. So the delegates, central council delegates, on Saturday voted 25 to 23 against keeping the three hand pass uh, rule. The GPA, 90% of their members were against it. Managers were widely against it as well. It was interesting, a column was just um, quoting some of the stats from Rob Carroll's uh, study on it, which kind of showed that the new rule was doing what it intended to do. You know, the, the kick to hand pass ratio. So we had hand passes down to kicks. It was 3.5 uh, 
Um, it was almost one for one, wasn't it? Huh? It was almost one for one. Yeah, so it was three and a half hand passes to one kick in last year's championship. And over these number of games, it was 1.3 hand pass to one kick. So it was almost one for one in all preseason games. You know, Rob Carroll had looked at it. Now, Colm did make the point as well that it's difficult for a stat to uh, capture the fact that there were times where players were being surrounded and con- you know, the, on the third hand pass and they were trying to half kick over their head to get it away. They couldn't yeah. put a simple hand pass away. So that wasn't, you know, so it may not have been the success that just that stat alone might suggest. I'm sure you saw some games. What did you make of it in action? Uh, I actually only covered one. Right. It was the Auburn Cup final on Friday night. Um, I don't think... It was, I saw somebody saying on Twitter, I don't think it was the Armageddon that maybe some people were making it out to be. Um, there were definitely occasions where the third hand pass was on and the 20-yard kick pass back to field and we go again uh, happened. Yeah. And equally, there were times when you know a, a move came to a position and with the, the, pers- the man in possession was left with no option but to kick it forward. Um, I just don't think the sample size is big enough, particularly at a time when... Uh, when Teams are experimenting. Like I spoke to various players and managers over over the over the course of the last couple of months, and they've all they've had conflicting stories as to how much emphasis they were putting in on it. Some of them weren't really dealing with. For example, I covered the Sean Cox game um, before uh, before Christmas between Mead and Dublin, mm. and uh, they didn't they didn't play the rules that day. Right. And both both teams were heading. That was Dublin's shadow team and and Mead's team, and both teams were heading into the Auburn Cup under the new rules, and they didn't didn't play it that day, yeah. which suggested a, a reticence immediately. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it it probably need a bigger sample size, but I also see the argument for saying the league is too important because, for at least half the counties and and maybe slightly more, mm. the league is is their best chance of of making anything out of the season. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, I mean, Dunnick put his finger on everything when he talked about the sample size. And that's something that always amazed me, the reticence uh, in the GA to experiment with rules. I, I would I would advocate taking each of those four football <coughs> provincial um, competitions, the pre-season competitions, the McGrath Cup, Auburn Cup, etc., and try a different rule in each of them. You know, play 13 aside in Ulster, play the hand-pass rule in Leinster, try something else in Munster and Connacht. And at least, you know, bring it through so you'll see how different rules impact. But, you know, like you, you look at something like the NBA, okay, if if the spectacle is under pressure, if the spectacle is harmed by uh, team exploiting rules, happened with James Harden uh, a couple of years ago, the rules are changed. And the rules are changed unilaterally. It's a professional league where they're told, look, these are the new rules and that's it. But just to tie in one point there that Dunnigan made, the league is hugely important because, you know, it is a more equal competition. There is a chance, you know, that you'll win something. But it's also very lucrative for counties. Um, a lot of people miss out on that fact that, you know, if if Cork and Kerry play in the league, you know, they'll get half the gate. Or if, you know, if Dublin and Meath play in the league, they'll get half the gate. So there's an onus on you to do well in the league. And as Duncan said, counties don't want to experiment in the league. They want to play something that they know that they're familiar with, and that they'll win, and then they'll get a run with. Mm. Just a quick one on the rules, Joe. I just, I'd be slow to criticise the committee because I think everyone agreed that it's worth trying something. The one thing I did feel was missed was was the back pass. I think there's a lot of the issue that it, that uh, that football has at the minute sort of revolves around the kick out and how it's used and how it's usually played quite safe and there's no contest for possession. If there was no back pass. 
it would encourage teams to push up mm -hmm. because all of a sudden if you're chipping out your cornerback he has to be good enough on the ball to, to use it well so when teams are encouraged to push up and they can't take the safe option of going back to the keeper mm. I think that automatically uh, encourages more long kicking mm. it encourages, encourages players to be in more orthodox position mm. and you might get a, a game a better spectacle, spectacle of a game I just think I think that's one glaringly obvious one that I, I would like to see trialled um, now maybe it would have its flaws but it just I think it's one that's definitely worth a go uh, Minus Mayo last year we had a fairly dreary end to the championship semi-finals and final were disappointing crowds weren't good how uh, much trouble Dunica do you think football is in? Uh, there's a little bit between um, I think John Horan confirmed the other day too that between the despite the extra All-Ireland quarterfinals and the Super 8 there was no lift in gate receipts mm. um, uh, uh, for uh, at a central level I think people there was an element of that just you know Galway supporters in particular were hammered last year by then to their team, both their teams doing really well. An element of people just not being that interested in it. Um, it it it's probably not as bad as, as it's made out to be because football was having a bad year while hurling was having an absolutely epic summer. And for some reason, people always pit the two against each other, which is probably really pointless a lot of the time. Um, I just think that they that I think that. It has a bit of an issue at the moment, but I'm not sure if a knee-jerk reaction is required at the moment. Like we, if there is something like you saw how difficult it was and how much uh, resistance the the uh, experimental rules um, met this time around, I just think that if there is a change coming, it's going to have to be really well thought out the next yeah. one. Yeah, it's, it's I mean it's not easy, and there's so many unintended consequences with these things. Uh, loads of texts in, as you might imagine. All-Ireland final day, rip-off day, says Sean. Get a ticket for the Hogan stand. You could be sitting on the goal line or the centre field line. There should be three different prices. I think that's a great point. I mean, I, yeah. I, I am surprised. With American it, sports, that's always the way, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. it? It is surprising there is just a flat fee of €90 Euro and then the Hill 16 price, given the vast differences in I, um, your, 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 your kind of position. I went to the Mead Kerry All-Ireland semi-final, um, bought a ticket for it out of a van. Um, it was the same eighty quid as you were sitting halfway on the. I was in the upper Cusick, the very last row, and it's yeah, yeah. like it's it, it shouldn't be the same price as halfway in the Hogan stand. No, no, I don't think so at all. And by the way, on OTBM this morning, Dick Clerken was on and uh, certainly defended the GA to the hilt and the ticket increases. Here's just a sense of what Dick Clerken was saying this morning before we wrap up the conversation. Now, this was very simply down to value. Like at the end of the day, whether it's pro or amateur, the money in my pocket and the money of people going to watch games doesn't matter. We all earn it from the same places. We all get it from the same source. So it's then about how we spend our money. That was the, the basis of the conversation. So how then do we choose, how is it okay to choose to spend that money, um, multiples of it, to go and watch pro sports, but then we find a problem with it um, to watch uh, a sport. Just because the players aren't paid doesn't mean that the value of the product isn't there. The people take offence when you call it a product but that's what it is. Like that's like it is down to basic economics. I want to give my money to something to be entertained. That's why a lot of us go to any anything, a concert, um, a cinema, a football game. And that's a very simple comparison. To go and watch a Division One game, so I go to Croke Park, um, you're going to go to even go into the, the qualifier games, you might only pay 20 euro and your kids will go free. That is an amazing value for me as a customer um, compared to other sports, regardless of people have been paid or not. And this defence that it's a pro sport is OK, we know where the money is going. We say it's 
okay then to charge seventy, eighty pounds a week in the Premier League to lay in the pockets of of agents and players who are paid ridiculous amounts of money. People actually saying that's okay just because that's the way it is. It absolutely isn't okay. <laughs> so therefore, you know, so that, that that argument doesn't really stand up when you bring it to its full extension. Like the, there is sort of there is sort of an acceptance though about the the grotesque capitalism in, in professional sports, and I'm not saying that's fine, but I'm certainly not saying that it's fine to just project that value onto the GEA and to what is supposed to be the values of, of the Gaelic Athletic Association. But it's not fine. Like that's what I'm but I don't think people accept it. There's no choice. Like there's no choice if you want to go and watch Liverpool or Man United. You now have no choice but to empty your pockets uh, to bring your child. If you want to go and watch uh, Ireland play the All Blacks or Ireland play England, you've no choice but to fork out huge sums of money because that's just the market. That doesn't mean that it's right. That's just the model. The G haven't gone down that route, so there is no comparison. G are not looking to to bleed the supporters um, for all the majority of the games. Then people started throwing in the All Ireland. That's a totally separate discussion. You know, the, the, this business of a tenner in the All Ireland. And it's going to cost me eight or nine euro, eight or nine, eighty or ninety euro to bring me eight or nine year old to an All Ireland final. All due respect, an eight year old is no business in All Ireland final for ninety euro. Okay, I never went to All Ireland final as an eight year old. Uh, you know, so, so that's that's that. You know, that got pulled into it as well. I go back to the uh, original point. Well, well, hang on a second. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hang on. Just just on that yeah, point, right? So you're saying yeah. you can bring your two kids to the league matches and go all year, and then say on and go on a slalom and you run to an All Ireland final. You won't be able to bring your kids. If I want to bring them and pay 80, 90 euro, that's my decision, as it is for everyone. But but that's the decision. In the same way as if I wanted to bring my child to watch Ireland play England in the Six Nations, that's what I have to pay. If I wanted to bring them across the water to watch Liverpool play Burnley, that's what I'd have to pay. That's my decision. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. I get that. Right? I, so if you're accepting you're not, that logic yeah. for pro games, how do you not accept the same logic then for the GEA? Yeah, I mean, the, the All-Ireland final one is very tricky. Even if they reduced... I know, so you, let's pick a number arbitrarily, 60 euro. We would, would we all agree that's good value? If, you know, if you're bringing, if you're bringing, uh, if you're bringing four kids, if you're bringing kids, you're quickly... Sorry, Michael, can you hear me there? If, I was just saying, even if you do 60 euro, you're, you can get up to 300 euro very quickly if you're bringing kids, you know? So uh, it is tricky. I mean, it, this boils down to, uh, and so many of the issues we're talking about boil down to a simple point. Um, the GA holds itself to a higher standard and... Everybody else holds the GA to a higher standard as well. It's supposed to be a community. It has an amateur ethos. It's increasingly operating in a commercial way and dealing with absolutely massive uh, sums of money. And the inter-county scene is completely out of control as well. Um, that is where we are. That, that underpins, Michael, pretty much every problem, every, every um, scandal, GA scandal we talk about every few months. Yeah, I mean, you made it there in that, you know, the GA can't kind of take the, the virtue of dropping prices for an Ireland fine replay by €10 Euro and then complain when it gets a rap in the knuckles for putting them up. I mean, Dick referred to the market there, but that's only what the GA president did, you know, himself. It's 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 tricky because, you know, as we said earlier, people so a lot of people within the GA are uncomfortable with the idea that what they have is a product, that they're consumers of that product, and that money is needed to generate the training, the hurlies, the footballs, the infrastructure, and so on. But that's a fact of life that people have to, you know, accommodate in some way, shape or form. I think a lot of the time people are happy to ignore that. But then when the reality breaks through, you know, it's a touch of, you know, give me chastity, but just not just, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with the, the dirty details of commercial reality because I'm happy enough with what I'm doing. Yeah, there is a, a, a bit of a disconnect there and a very 
uncomfortable, par uncomfortable partnership between the volunteer ethos of the GA that sustains it and has built it to what it is, plus the arm of it in based in Crow Park that has to make money yeah. to and and never the twain shall meet. Sometimes yeah. you know, yeah. um, and and th th look, they, they they have to clash just by their very nature. They have to clash. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not the last time we'll talk about this. I suspect. Donica Boyle, you can read in the Irish Independent. Michael Moynihan in the Irish Examiner. Thanks very much, Michael. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Donica, thanks for coming in. We'll take a short thanks. break. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.